Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name is Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. The COVID-19 pandemic may have upended the global economy and the international TV industry alike, but holiday programming remains a fixture of the calendar for many, and for those that offer up Christmas-themed movies and specials, it's more or less business as usual right now. Live-action production has of course been affected, but animation continues apace, though the growing impact of streamers on linear broadcasters represents both challenges and opportunities for this particular market niche. In today's show, to coincide with the C21 Digital Screenings Holiday Programming Theme Festival, available to view now on our video portal, we hear from Vanessa Shapiro, Chief Executive of Nicely Entertainment, Ruth Fielding, Joint MD of Lupus Films, and Michael Rose, Joint MD of Magic Light Pictures. One of the world's biggest markets for holiday programming is the US, with cable outlets Lifetime and Hallmark broadcasting such titles 24-7 in the run-up to Christmas, sometimes starting as early as July. In 2019 alone, more than 100 Christmas-themed TV movies were produced across the US and Canada. For former Gaumont president of Worldwide TV Distribution, Vanessa Shapiro, this demand was the reason for establishing Los Angeles-based Nicely Entertainment earlier this year. She told Inigo Alexander. Here in the US, there's definitely a huge need and demand for holiday and Christmas movies specifically. As you know, being Lifetime or Hallmark, they start airing Christmas movies every single day. Uh, last year in 2019, they started October 25th and they go on for two and a half months. So the, the high demand for this content in the US was really the motivation originally because of the, of the opportunity here specifically in the US. Gaumont, the last couple of years, I started producing those Christmas TV movies. And that's when I did a smash for Hallmark. We did um, a date by Christmas Eve for Lifetime, uh, Christmas a la mode for Lifetime, etc. So I made about 10 of those. And I always knew that eventually I will open my own company. It was just a matter of when. Um, so as soon as I knew I was leaving uh, Gaumont because they were shutting down their um, distribution division here in LA, but it was a perfect timing for me to go on my own. So that's how Nicely was born. And I was very lucky that I was able actually to shoot the first two Christmas movies um, in January and February 2020, right before the lockdown. Um, and I'm very thankful because clearly we, nobody knew that in March everything was going to shut down. This year specifically, we were not going to be able to continue producing all the way to now. So in January, we shot um, a very charming Christmas town. And then in February, we shot the Christmas listing, which previously the name was Christmas in Farmstead. This will air in the U.S. November 2020. Uh, the network has not been announced yet. They will do the announcement. So that's why I cannot tell you, but it would be the same players I used to make movies for. So this is how the company started. It's like as soon as January started, I continued with, you know, my produ- production partners and um we went and jumped in very quickly. The rest of the slate for this year, for instance, out of like a slate of 10 movies that Nicely Entertainment will be producing, we'll have five Christmas 
movies, rom-coms, and then one thriller. So we're trying to diversify now and only be 50% Christmases. But clearly, the Christmas movies are very important. Again, it's because of this very high demand here in the U.S. that triggers the green light on those movies and um, and the production. And, you know, like uh, if you look at the success, and again, uh, it's very U.S.-centric. But for instance, here in July, Hallmark has been doing Christmas in July for many years. And they're airing all Christmas drink for a stunt during the month of July. So the Christmas in July is really becoming something in the U.S. Last year, they even actually premiered some original Christmas movies during that window. So again, for me, the holiday programming, it's very important in the U.S. It has a very, very big place uh, in the U.S. programming. And it's a big strategy for players like Lifetime and Hallmark or App Television for that matter. And in terms of the content holiday programming that is good content what what do you seek out because it, it's obviously a winner that comes about every year so it must be quite hard to try and find content that's new or different or, or refreshed but is it a question of finding content that plays to the you know the popular themes the the things that people expect from holiday programming or is it a question of finding content that is new and brings something different yes yeah, so a little bit of both um the first one is that we're trying to find stories that has not been done before or if it has been done like with a new twist clearly last year alone in the u.s i think the number of movies christmas movies across all channels and all the streaming platforms was close to 100 movies were made for premiere in the u.s during christmas time 2019 which is a huge number so how many stories can you uh, christmas stories can you make right when you have that much volume so we're always trying to find a completely stories, a good writing, and uh, a charming cast, a cast that you really, that you get attached to and you want to watch. Most of the movies have been holiday movies because that's what really the core of Lifetime and Hallmark, that's where they're looking really. But um, in the past, I've made family Christmas movies, including one of the first one that I did a couple of years ago called 48 Christmas Wishes, which is on Netflix right now on streaming. And it's a great family fair. My kids watch it every year. So there's definitely, you need a little bit for everybody. But the first step is whenever I get pitches is to go through a list and see, no, this one has been done too many times or this is new this is fresh it is of course becoming more challenging just because so many movies are being made but you'll be surprised i'm looking now at the 2021 slate and there's a couple of um scripts that i'm working on that have not been made yet <laughs> surprisingly so it does happen <laughs> the demand that you mentioned there you said before that most of it comes from the states that's the the, the, the big part yes. of the holiday programming demand but why why do you think that is why do you think it's mainly focused around u.s audiences yeah it's interesting the other territories that um is actually very into the christmas movies are really the uk so there is a demand for europe but when there are 100 movies produced in the U.S., between U.S. and Canada, because these are also Canadian productions, the European market does not absorb all 100 movies. U.K. is a very good example. They actually do love Christmas in the U.K., and they love Christmas movies in the U.K., um, and we actually do sell our movies there, which is awesome. Um, but th do they acquire 100 Christmas movies a year? I don't think so. 
I don't think anybody in the world can actually, you know, absorb the high demand of the, the U.S. production. So when you have a lifetime in Hallmark that program 24-7 Christmas movies for two months, yeah. that creates a profit that is very Christmas heavy versus other channels around the world. I don't think there's any other channels around the world that do that like for two and a half months all the air 24-7 at Christmas movies. Clearly, even for me, Christmas... So this is one of the conundrum. Christmas is a big holiday in Europe. It's But somehow, Christmas movies do not play well in Spain. There are very, very few Christmas movies, and, and we're talking TV movies here, playing on TV in Spain. Um, the two biggest European countries playing those movies are really UK and France. Yeah. Italy to some extent afterwards, but really UK and France being the biggest ones. And what what challenge do you think the streamers and the, the, the streaming services present? Or are they an opportunity perhaps? I think it's an opportunity more than a challenge. Um, and as you can see, like being Disney Plus, Netflix, clearly, um, mm. they started doing their original Christmas movies. I mean, Plus launched the service in October with Noel with our big you know, budget, big cast Christmas movie. So I think for us as producer, it's definitely an opportunity. I don't see it as a problem because the destination, and again, here in the US, the destination for those movies have been for a lot of people, you know, Lifetime and Hallmark and Up Television. And what I would love to see is actually more of Christmas movies on the streaming platforms because around Christmas time, they're actually not that many yet. And I know they're yeah. working on it, but it could just be acquisitions. They would they don't have to just do originals. They can just increase their level of acquisition for those Christmas movies. But it's still, I think, an upper hand for Lifetime and Hallmark and up to have all these Christmas offerings on the linear side because they're very, very successful during the Christmas holidays because everybody knows that's the destination. So I really hope that the, the Netflix of the world and the Hulu and um, Amazon to some extent and so forth will pick up and you know start offering more Christmas movies as well. Clearly also, we haven't talked about the COVID-19. This year, there might be less Christmas movies out there available just because we could not produce anything for the last three months. Now production has started again. I have two movies that are wrapping production right now. One is called Christmas Cuisine and mm -hmm. the other one is called Christmas Forgiveness. Christmas Cuisine was in the States, in the US and Christmas Forgiveness in Vancouver. And those will be released um, again, Christmas 2020 here in the US. Those movies were originally slated to be produced in April. Right. And we had to wait and push production until end of June and right now because of the COVID-19, which means we kind of got delayed. And a couple of movies that I had slated to shoot in May and June, now I'm pushing and waiting all the way through next January to shoot them with snow in the winter. Right. So COVID definitely had an impact this year on the production period, but also on the production volume of the Christmas movies. In the US, as I said, 100 movies were released. I don't have the numbers. I know Hallmark is working very hard to catch up 
and produce a lot of movies over the summer to make sure they have a good volume of movies for this um, Christmas season. I just don't know yet how that's going to be impacted. But listen, as I said before, we're very lucky because even within this climate, this crisis and the COVID, we managed to have at least four Christmas movies for this Christmas season. Vanessa Shapiro from Nicely Entertainment. London-based Lupus Films is behind award-winning Christmas specials, including The Snowman and The Snow Dog, We're Going on a Bear Hunt and The Tiger Who Came to Tea. Co-founder and joint MD Ruth Fielding told Inigo Alexander about her belief in the enduring power of appointment holiday viewing and animation's place within this, especially as the pandemic continues. When we started the company almost 20 years ago, I met Camilla, my business partner, when we were working at Channel 4, the broadcaster running the animation department. And Channel 4 were always keen on having holiday specials like The Snowman, for example, you know, which which they showed in the first year they were on air. Um, And so traditionally, we'd commissioned lots of half-hour animated specials when we were at Channel 4. And then when we left, and set up Lupus Films, we continued to make um, half-hour specials. And in fact, our first film, Little Wolf's Book of Badness, uh, was a half-hour based on an Ian Wybrow book, uh, which we made for Channel 4. And then we made three half-hour specials called Wild Stories, based on short stories by Oscar Wilde. And then we sort of continued in that vein, because they were successful, to make these sort of half-hour, beautifully crafted, handmade uh, films for Channel 4 and other broadcasters and now the streamers. And it's so nice to be able to sort of concentrate on one beautiful film and have a year to make it rather than rushing through content and having to make reams and reams of episodes. So it's quite nice to actually have you know, time to beautifully craft these films and then they become a jewel in the schedule of the broadcaster and are treated very specially when they're shown. And that's sort of the ethos in which we, we set up the company, really. We, we followed in the footsteps of John Coates at TVC, TV Cartoons, who mm-hmm. made films like The Snowman and Grandpa and The Bear. And, you know, we thought, actually, that's what we want our USP to be. And you mentioned there that most of the titles are in production for about a year. There's, there's a longer window for for a Christmas or a you know holiday special to be produced. So how does that change your approach to commissioning and finding projects? We make feature films as well as specials and series. Um, and you know, we like to have one of each in in production and development at, at any one time. So, but we are sort of, you know, we do think, oh, what are we doing for next Christmas or the Christmas after? And we don't always manage to make one special for every Christmas, but every couple of years, certainly. Um, and so we are, you know, looking for properties, you know, normally well-known, uh, well-read books that have sold, you know, millions of copies. As you've already, then if you option those, you've got a sort of ready-made audience of multi-generational viewers. Um, so, for example, The Tiger Who Came to Tea, which we made for um, last Christmas on Channel 4, was, I can't remember off the top of my head how many books uh, they sold, but obviously they, it was published 50 years ago. And so, you know, there were grannies and mums and dads, as well as kids all watching together because they all knew the brand. The Tiger Who Came to Tea, when it was on Channel 4 this last mm. Christmas, it was the highest rated programme all year. 
bar yeah. the Bake Off final. That's how strong holiday programming can be. And in terms of finding that content, a lot of the, the shows or, or specials or films that come to mind are sort of the established you know, Christmas films. What are the boxes that it has to tick for you to pick up and produce content that could you know, elbow those, those established holiday pieces out? Well, I think it's about, you know, it is about nostalgia. It's about finding something that people want to sit down and will watch together at Christmas and make an appointment to view something. Um, so we only really make things that we are incredibly passionate about and hope that that passion sort of translates to the screen. And so we, we wait until we find the property, the book or a series of books to option to which we think will become a sort of evergreen property. I mean, this, the other thing is these the films that we make are shown every year, not just one Christmas. And often they're shown at Easter time as well, at least on the UK television. Um, because again, that's another time that families will uh, sit down and make time to watch things together. So we're constantly on, on the lookout for strong book properties. We're just about to start our next feature film, which is based on a Michael Moore Pergo book, Kensky's Kingdom. And, and that has been a long time in, in development, but you know, we always knew that the book was such a classic story that hopefully it will, you know, woo audiences when it's shown. In terms of that family viewing and sort of nostalgia of getting behind a, a Christmas film, I guess a lot of it, a lot of people do or would associate it with watching it on, you know, on a linear channel on, on the traditional broadcasters. But how has the emergence of streaming changed that? As a producer, it's a new opportunity because obviously it's more people who can commission our content, more platforms, more you know channels and whatnot. In terms of if I were a UK broadcaster, I'd see it as competition because you know if if, if something's on Netflix then people can watch it anytime anywhere um, and they don't just have to wait till Christmas Eve to watch it so I think it's made the traditional broadcasters sit up a little bit and you know choose their slots and you know be more protective over their exclusivity and their windowing so that the content that they commission isn't available shortly afterwards on another platform they can sort of have their exclusive window and and I think the streamers has had a massive knock-on effect to the DVD market as well um, which also used to be you know quite a lucrative revenue stream for holiday specials but I, I mean the more the more the merrier really in terms of you know numbers of platforms it means for us as producers there's more outlets for people to see our work and more commissioners to commission it. What would you say is the best sort of um, the best format or the best structure for holiday programming? For animation, we traditionally make half hour films, so 24 minutes. But I think with the advent of streamers, there's no real pressure for length. But I think the sort of US and North American broadcasters tend to want slightly longer films, sort of 40, 45 minutes. But if we're making a film from a 26-page picture book, then the film tends to be no longer than a half hour because unless you're going to add considerable amount of additional content. So that, that's the ideal for us. However, you know, as I said, we do make animated feature films as well. So um, again, that's, you know, they're generally 80 or 90 minutes. What do you expect the future of holiday programming to be like? I mean, do you think it's it, you know looks bright for the future of holiday programming? Do you think it's still going to consolidate, you know, remain consolidated as a as a window and as a genre, or do you think it's perhaps going to be a bit challenged? 
I think there seems to be more and more of it because people want a point of difference at a particular time of year, you know, a holiday time of year. They want families to sit down and watch content together. And what better content than holiday content, you know, holiday programming. And so I think everybody's on the lookout for it and and wanting something distinctive and new and as well as being familiar and nostalgic in order to bring the viewers to their channels or platforms. So I think we'll see more and more of it, like Klaus on, on Netflix this last Christmas. You know, people want something to sit down and, and, and focus on around that time of year. How, how have you seen the, the, you know, the world of holiday programming and, and Christmas specials impacted by COVID? It's been affected in a very positive way. We've had more um, interest in holiday programming than ever before, I'd say, in the last three or four months. Animation has remained open for business because we can make it all remotely from home. Therefore, we haven't been held back in the same way as live action programming has been. We can even record voices remotely and then, you know, we don't necessarily need to be in the same studio as the actor. Um, All the animators are set up from home working remotely and uploading material onto, you know, shared servers. So it's, it's actually meant that we've been able to be incredibly productive. And I think it's meant that a lot of the broadcasters and streaming platforms are looking to animated content rather than live action because we're still, you know, we've remained in production. We haven't had to shut down. So they know we can make it. Whereas if you've got a live action feature film, you don't know whether you're going to be able to get Tom Cruise back to to Venice anytime soon. Ruth Fielding from Lupus Films. Michael Rose is joint MD of Magic Light Pictures, whose work has become synonymous with the children's books written by Julia Donaldson and illustrated by Axel Scheffler. From The Gruffalo to Stickman, Room on the Broom and now Zog and the Flying Doctors, the London-based company retains a sharp focus on securing a half-hour slot each Christmas day on BBC One. And Rose told Inigo Alexander he doesn't see that changing anytime soon. For us, it's, it's a very kind of key thing uh, in that we started making half-hour animated specials back in, our first was The Gruffalo in 2009. And in, in deciding to, to adapt to a famous book, like children's book like The Gruffalo, we wanted to make it into a sort of TV television event. And for us, in a way, the only place for it to be was Christmas Day afternoon on BBC One, because if it's a, if you do a one-off special in terms of quality, it has to be genuinely special. Uh, but the it needs to reach the family audience. And therefore, the opportunity was to make it an event. And uh, we were very fortunate the BBC uh, acquired it and gave it a very high-profile Christmas Day afternoon slot back in 2009, and it got you know, 10 million viewers and so on. And it started there. And the way we've been then doing these half-hour animated films as Christmas specials ever since, for they premiere on BBC One in the UK, and then they, they sort of sell all over the world. And now, of course, we've moved into a, a linear and non-linear age, and so the films premiere on BBC One and then go to iPlayer, where they're available all year round on iPlayer. But the BBC still shows them in a linear way every Christmas. So, for example, last this Christmas just been, we had our new film, The Snail and the Whale, on, uh, which is on at 2.30 in the afternoon, just before the Queen's speech on BBC One. But they also, BBC One also showed all our previous eight or nine specials dotted around their Christmas schedule. 
normally holiday programming has always tended to sit within the world of linear, as you mentioned there. It's sort of a, you know, appointment family viewing uh, around the Christmas period, especially. But how do you feel the world of streaming comes into play? Do you think that it sort of um, maybe maybe takes away from the charm of holiday programming from that sort of nostalgic idea of everyone sitting around uh, watching a film at a given time? I think it is, you know, on one level, you're right, there's sort of this di- this degree of nostalgia, but there is still a need or a desire by families to watch something together. And, okay, that happens rarely in fragmented media age, and everyone's on their own devices watching their own thing. But there is still this desire for families to come together and enjoy a co-viewing experience. And I think uh, holiday programming, or I can't talk about the specials we do, really, because that's, that's our contribution to it, but they do provide a moment where the core audience of younger children watch with their parents and grandparents, and carers, other relations. And we know from anecdotal feedback and everything you read on Twitter and so forth that families are really watching and enjoying together. So I think that's what holiday programming does actually, is it provides still a co-viewing experience. In terms of streamers, you obviously can co-view on a streaming platform as well, and people do. I mean, I do with my family. But what it doesn't provide is that is that moment to view. So if on a linear schedule, BBC One says, right, we're showing the snail and the whale at 2.30 in the afternoon, it's an appointment to view, even though people know that they will be able to watch it on iPlayer that evening or the next day. And I think if you're, if you're on the streamers, you know it's available all the time, so you choose when to watch it, and perhaps you plan that together. But it's a little bit different. And do you always stick to animation when you come when it comes to holiday programming? No, not at all. And we've, we've actually, as a company, we, we started out doing uh, live-action dramas and live-action movies and so forth, and we're, we're developing drama at the moment. We, and we, we have a, one project at the moment, which is a holiday special, which is live-action with some animation in it. And that, again, follows the... It's based on a, a great classic book, and it, but again, follows the sort of story, the material itself dictates the medium in which it's made. So we're, as a company, we're, we're, we're happy to do whatever. It really is about material, and clearly, you know, Christmas in the linear schedule still is a, ma- a major broadcast moment, even in the age of sort of fragmenting audiences. And do you see it remaining as such? Do you think the sort of the seasonal holiday programming window is going to stay as strong and remain as consolidated a, you know, viewing base? Or do you think that that fragmentation of the audience that you mentioned is going to have an impact? I, I hope so. <laughs> because I, because for that reason, because I, I really love that the moment of co-viewing. I think it's a fantastic thing. And I think families like it. You know, they like that moment because it's it's harder and harder to find moments to watch stuff with your kids because your kids maybe are off with their, their their own second screens and so forth. So I think I think families, you know, do kids and grown-ups, parents, carers, whatever, value time, those sort of shared moments together, whatever they're watching, whether it's, you know, depends on your age, really, whether it's the Gruffalo made, made in Chelsea, but it's, um, you know, it's finding those things you can watch with your kids is, is quite a rare thing. And I think, I, th- I think in answer to your question that, you know, I know the streamers are also commissioning various holiday uh, stuff, but it's, it, it just doesn't have, you know, because they're not scheduling material for a, a linear slot to premiere, the notion that it's specifically for a, hol- a moment of holiday is a bit more diffused. Netflix had a great a great success with uh, Angela's Christmas, which was a half-hour animated film from Ireland based on a Frank McCourt book, Angela's Ashes. Or you know, I, I imagine that the fact that Christmas is in the title means it's it's findable as a Christmas uh, treat, and perhaps it, the algorithm helps promote it to the viewer. So so they are still commissioning stuff which is holiday linked. It just doesn't have a 
a clear launch moment, I suppose. What's the impact of the of the pandemic been on the usual run of production for you? Well, we've, we've been very fortunate because where, whereas live action has had to pretty much stop and certainly you know, drama production stopped, working, we've had two productions going in, both in CGI animation, another half-hour film for this Christmas um, on BBC One, uh, Zog and the Flying Doctors, and a new preschool animation series, 52 episodes called Pip and Posey, that we're doing uh, for, for Sky and Milkshake Channel 5 next year. And very moments of COVID struck. Both the, the crews of both productions move very seamlessly to remote working. And though there have been, they've been certain challenges, we've actually, both productions have carried on, on on schedule. So I think we've been very fortunate. And, and in, in a way, it's one of the great bonuses of particularly uh, CGI animation, because model stop motion model animation that, say, someone like Arvind does, I think has been not, not so possible to keep working on that. Whereas CGI animation in particular, we've been able to carry on. So I don't know what that means for this Christmas, whether I imagine some projects were being, some live action picture projects were being finished for Christmas that were maybe interrupted. Uh, I, you know, I, don't, I don't really know, but, but I know it was obviously a huge disruption, as you, as you know, in, in drama. What are your thoughts on the, the future of the world of holiday programming? Are you optimistic for the direction it's heading in? Do you think it's, it's going to remain as you know, a consolidated uh, segment of, of TV schedules for, for ever and ever, or do you see it being impacted in any way? It feels like you know, every year the audience fragments more, and we know the ratings for, say, Christmas Day, you know, across all the broadcasters, uh, goes down or gets 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 spread out more, uh, especially with streamers com- coming on board. But I I still think that there is, as in lockdown, come Christmas, come Christmas Day, the nation still wants to gather around and watch stuff together, and then becomes and the holiday programs are still a linear event. So I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic whilst realising that the world's changing and who knows what broadcasting will look like in three years' time. Michael Rose from Magic Light Pictures. That's all for this episode. Remember, you can find out more about some of the shows mentioned, plus plenty of others, and watch trailers of them all by visiting our C21 Screenings video portal and following the links to the Holiday Programming Theme Festival. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 